Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to day 30. I can't believe it's day 30 of the 7 a.m. Novelist 50 Day Writing Challenge, first draft edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. Today we continue talking about scenes, and we've got author Crystal King to help us focus on conflict and intention in scenes. Crystal King is the author of The Chef's Secret and Feast of Sorrow, which was long listed for the Center for Fiction's first novel prize and was a must read for the Massachusetts Book Awards. She is the, as an author, culinary enthusiast, and marketing expert. I have, I have eaten Crystal's food. She's very, very, she's quite the culinary enthusiast. Uh, she has taught classes in writing, creativity, and social media at several universities, including Harvard Extension School and Boston University, as well as at Grub Street. A Pushcart Prize-nominated poet and former co-editor of the online literary arts journal Plum Ruby Review, Crystal received her MA in Critical and Creative Thinking from UMass Boston, where she developed a series of exercises and writing prompts to help fiction writers in media stress. She resides in Boston. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so, so much for waking up early and being with us just today. Um, and I didn't know your poet background, so that's also really exciting for me. Okay. Crystal, conflict. What is it? Why do we need it? Why does it cause problems in our fiction? <laughs> um, when you think of conflict, what do you think of? Conflict is what, it's the engine for the book, I really think. Um, it's what makes us keep reading. It's what makes us want to turn that page, um, understanding you know, all of the things that a character has to go through in a story um, is, is, is really what conflict is. Um, and it's, it's something that it, it basically it's the fuel for your plot. Yeah. Yeah. And without conflict, nothing will happen. I mean, you, you really have, you have to have your characters, um, bouncing up with something. And so that can be conflict with other people, conflict with themselves, conflict with landscape, um, conflict with ideas. It could be conflict with, in all sorts of things, um, in your writing, in your books, how have you gone after conflict or how have you thought about conflict or what even problems have you faced in your process with writing your books? Well, I think this is where um, it, uh, you and I talked briefly about it, the idea of like, um, what do people want? You know, what yeah. are they, what do they want in, in general? You know, do they, and, and how is that central to the plot? Um, because if you know what your character wants, um, and wants in a couple of different ways, so they want certain things in each scene, but they also want certain things for their lives. They want things for their families, for their friends, um, for their careers, uh, for the world, potentially, if you're writing an epic novel. Um, and once you know those wants, you can start developing conflicts to help prevent them from getting what those wants are. And uh, so really that's where you need to start. You need to figure out what does your character want um, and think about it in a variety of different ways. Awesome, awesome. Um, are you, in the current manuscript you're working on, have you found what your character wants? I have, and it's interesting because I have um, a flat um, character plot, so mm -hmm. it's less of what the character is. Um, the character doesn't change that much. The character changes the world instead. So yes. it's more like superhero um, um, stories are real, generally flat, flat plot lines. And um, so it's interesting because 
I can throw lots of conflict in, but it's very different than the conflict I've done in the previous books where um, the characters have internal struggles that they have to get over and um, and dilemmas that they have to decide. So for example, in both of my first novels, there was just a ton of murder. <laughs> and, um, particularly in, my, in Feast of Sorrow, I think I killed off 19 people, which is a great way to create some conflict, let me say. Yes, yes. Um, but this time it's it's a little different. I have to, th- I have to think about think about it differently and how the world is is the, the the thing with the conflict and not the character. That's that's really important to bring up because generally I think we think of conflict as the thing that opens up your character that moves them through change. But you can have a flat story arc. So um, and I mentioned before true grit um, is actually a, a flat story arc and it's got a, a young female protagonist and she is not broken the world is broken. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. that's why it becomes a flat story arc. And I never really qu- thought about uh, superhero uh, stories being the same thing, but it makes total sense. So the, the superhero is not broken. In fact, the superheroes is super, um, <laughs> but the world is broken. And so it's the world that will need to change and it's the superhero or the character in True Good acting upon it. Yes, perfect. Do you think about conflict also by scene? Because these we're talking about scenes this week. I do. And um, actually the writer Anne Hood is somebody who helped me think about conflict and scenes a little bit more because she does a really amazing um, editing um, course and um, she teaches periodically at different conferences, particularly um, like Grub Street, for example. And yeah. Um, they're using the marketplace and one of the things that she talked about is like there's always got to be a positive and a negative in every chapter and and you need to end um end scenes and chapters in, in with that positive and negative and the best way to create what that is is you know is what does the character get that they that they want or feel better about or how does the scene change so it's better or um how does the the conflict make it worse and so I'm always thinking about conflict in scenes and in chapters in a way that I wasn't before as a result of that. Um, but I, I definitely think that you can ha- also have different layers of conflict um, and conflicts that your sub characters have that um, can create but more conflict for your main characters. So um, you, you definitely can think about it in a, in a scene and um, a chapter level as well. I love that you're bringing in Anne Hood. That's perfect because, yeah. So um, she, again, this this plus and minus idea. So she says that she um, only became a best-selling novelist when she started to do this with her scenes. And so she would go through, I think her first drafts, maybe after she'd done her first drafts and she would mark a plus or minus in terms of where the character was at um, in her scenes. And um, what's interesting is it's going to be relative, um, right? Because you can't have you can't have the character on a high on, and on the same high at the beginning of every scene and on the same low at the end of every scene. Otherwise, you have a very, very rocky um, right. progression. And it, and it does also need to progress. It needs to progress in a certain direction, in a certain point of the plot. You're, you're heading uphill or you're heading, the character's heading downhill. Um, I actually... <laughs> I did that for my novel Quickening after it had been published and I had so many negatives. I was just like, oh, no wonder people think this is a depressing book, but it takes place during the depression. So who cares? Um, um, So, um, and that's really important. And then, um, and notice, okay, for you then, so it's, it's about where they are, the 
positive and minus is about where they are in terms of their goal or the progression to their goal. But when we talk about conflict, we're also thinking about both internal conflict and external conflict and how those need to mirror each other. So does this plus and minus idea have to do also with how the character is progressing emotionally for you? Yeah, so I think about it in a kind of a broad sense, you yeah. know, is there, what's the high and the low in every chapter? Um, so is there, you know, the high point, do the characters or some of the characters get what they want? Um, good characters, I should say, because yeah. you or at least um, your protagonists and the people close to the protagonist. And then what's the low point? And sometimes those things are not that high and not that low, It, but, but you need something because some chapters are gonna be um, quieter than others, I should say. Um, um, but as long as you have a mix of that in there, generally you can, you can drag the reader through. Yeah, yeah. And this is important to think about. So you also do it by chapter. Are your chapters a single scene or do you consider them a group of scenes and it's just easier for you to think about these highs and lows by chapter? Um, it depends on the book and the story that I'm working on. Um, the, I certainly have some chapters in some of my past novels that have had multiple scenes in them. Um, I feel like the book I'm working on now is mostly by chapter. Um, they're long scenes in, in by chapter. Um, but so for me, I think about it more, more about the the scenes or in the in the the in the area where things are taking place. And so when when people move from one place to another um, and the action is shifting, that's when I really try to think about: okay, did I accomplish what I needed to here? Did I create sufficient tension um, to bring people into the next place? Excellent, excellent. And so again, when we think about conflict, we're looking for, so there's an external conflict, a conflict that the character has with the world around them, other characters, again, landscape, other things, and then internal conflict, that internal fight that's usually against themselves in some way. They're questioning themselves, their own self-doubt, um, their own past in history that you, they simply cannot break from, whatever misbelief, whatever wound, whatever flaw that they have. And so it's interesting as the novel continues forward into the external plot is that it's also hitting upon that internal conflict and that internal plot. Yep. And so it basically travels forward as it even mines and travels backwards into time or into the character's internal world. And they, and they really function like a mirror. And so you want to have whatever you throw at your character should in some way resonate or speak to that internal conflict as well. So um, again, I think about, you know, a particular situation, like a particular bad, gross, bad boss won't bother um, certain characters. And you, it, sometimes in your work life, you might want to think about this. Like, why does Fred get under my skin so much? I always use the name Fred. Sorry, Fred. Uh, why does Fred get under my skin so, so, so much, but doesn't bother Brian over there? What is wrong with me? There's something that yep. Fred is doing um, that's, that's, I guess we can use the word trigger, though I have problems with that word. Um, that's, that's speaking to my own um, internal landscape and is getting under my skin in that way. And so that's also what you want to find um, in your novel. Um, what about intention, uh, Crystal? So as you're going into your scenes, do you think about the intentions of your characters? 
I do. What do they, and that goes back to the, you know, it's what they want, you know, what are they yeah. trying to accomplish? Um, and it can be something really mundane sometimes, you know, they have to go to work and, um, and, and, and their goal is to get to work and get there safely. And, um, but then once they get to work, that intention may shift um, based upon the conflict that has been thrown at them. Um, and so uh, I, and, and that means that they have to potentially shift what that intention is. They have to think differently about what they actually want. Um, so, mm -hmm. and that can be from, that, that can actually happen, not just in a scene, but it can happen in moments in the scene. Mm -hmm. And I think back to my acting days, which was like in freshman year high school. So I didn't actually have acting days, <laughs> but my act, my acting days, um, I was always some character in the back and uh, I was never one of the main characters. I think I was too short. I'll blame it on that. And um, the director would always tell us um, if we were on stage, we um, needed to think about our intention. What is your intention in this scene? Because otherwise, if you're on stage just wandering around with your mouth hanging open, um, you are not useful to the scene and you're actually causing problems in the scene on the stage. Yeah. Um, you're actually still yourself. Um, and you need to remain in the in the scene in your character on stage. And the same thing is to think about in all your characters, in all your scenes, what is their intention on stage? Because if you don't, they'll either fall out of character or they will disappear from your stage. And that's very dangerous because hopefully all of your characters have a role in a particular scene. And if not, why are they in the scene at all? Um, and all the characters need to um, be affecting the scene in some way. So think about, I mean, if you have a cat in the scene, that cat needs to have intention, okay? Um, yeah. Right? It needs to want to eat. It needs to want to, you know, whatever. Um, and that cat can then cause problems. Um, or solve you, problems. Or solve problems, yes, yes, yes. Um, and so, Everyone in, the, everyone in your scene has intention. And unless, and this is oftentimes what leads to writing block in my mind. Yeah, Crystal's uh, reaching down for her cat. Uh, <laughs> as soon as we started talking about the cat, and he's completely deaf, he can't actually hear. But he was like, I have to be part of that. Because <laughs> um, he caused problems this morning with his intention of, did he, he got up too early or he didn't get up in time? He got up at the wrong time because usually he's sleeping about now. But. And he's licking your hair now, which I love. Um, like. <laughs> um, so why am I talking about the cat? Um, because the cat's intention to sleep in, the cat's intention to get in the video, the cat's intention, whatever, can cause Eat problems <laughs> um, and, and can get in the way of your character's intention. And you think, well, that's not a very exciting scene just because a cat interrupts a Zoom call, but it can actually be quite significant if the stakes are higher. Um, and I mean, these intentions can be quite small. So let's say um, your character's intention is just to sit in front of the TV all day because they're exhausted and they don't, and they don't wanna think about anything and they, and they just don't have the emotional capacity. Well, let's say their husband comes home and has had a bad day and he wants to talk through his day. Two intentions and each of themselves, they're fine. And each of, of themselves, they on the moral plane, they, they're not negative or positive, but because they aren't the same, they're gonna cause conflict, okay? Um, because if the husband wants to talk about his day and talk about everything and the, and the, and the wife just wants to, or the husband, two husbands, want to, want, just wants to, um, not think about anything emotional in front of the television, that's gonna cause problems. 
And then we're going to talk about turning points because who's going to win, right? Whose intention is going to win out? So one of the things that um, you had meant, so you had mentioned earlier that one of the things that I had, I've done is I've developed like a series of creative writing exercises, Yes, which people want in a book and I'm working on making that happen. Um, but, but one of the best ways to figure out what the intentions of your, your characters are is to ask them. And um, I have this just amazing exercise that whenever I, whenever I give it in a class, people are like, whoa, this changed so much of my book. And basically um, it's a complaint list. You take one of your secondary characters, not your protagonist, but your secondary characters. And you say, you know, what, give them a, give them a moment to complain. What are they unhappy about? And ask, and all of the small things that they're unhappy about, their shoes are too tight. Um, they're irritated that, um, you know, this, their friend didn't call them back. They just a whole list. And it may or may not relate to what's happening in the moment or the scene. Mm -hmm. um, but once you figure out what those characters are unhappy about, you suddenly have all sorts of conflicts that you didn't even expect that you had. Um, yes. It's a great way to, to figure out what the intentions of those characters and are. And that, that is perfect. So I think Margot Livesey actually talked about the same when we were talking about attitude. She says, sometimes if I can't figure out my character's attitude, I just let them rant. Yep. Um, and that lets her figure out their attitude. And, and so as Judith, Judith says, is, is writing in the chat, she says their intentions are only as good as their inner conflicts allow. So, so letting them rant or letting them think through their complaints is really going to speak through that, the, those internal conflicts usually, but though usually they're, they're um, focusing their internal conflicts outwards, like, okay, um, you know, I miss my mother, um, but my shoes are too tight, you know? Yep. <laughs> and so this is, this is kind of how we think about things. Um, but if you can get at that attitude and if you can get at that internal world, that then is going to set up what their intentions are um, and how they're gonna behave in a particular scene. I love that. Um, and then, I mean, you might also have, I also like to talk about The Great Gatsby because in The Great Gatsby, you have two characters who seem to have the same intention and, and through the whole book, and I've mentioned this before, but Gatsby's character is to, um, to get the girl um, and her intention is to get Gatsby, okay? So they want each other. What could possibly go wrong? But the problem is that their internal conflict gets in the way uh, because Gatsby wants to erase history and he wants her to pretend that she's never loved anybody else um, and, and, um, and that she's only ever loved him. And Daisy just wants to move forward in time. And is like, of course I love my husband, of course, you know, but let's just move forward in time. And so that actually creates the whole conflict of the whole book. I mean, well, I mean, pretty much every romance novel, the character, you know, you have two characters, not maybe not everyone, but you have characters that want the same thing and, and, and all the conflict in the way is what makes the book read readable. And you have focused a lot on historical fiction and how has that given you, I don't know, a different way to think about conflict because you're also dealing with time period mm -hmm. and time period can also, also restrains characters or gives extra uh, moments of conflict. Um, how have you dealt with that in, in your books? Well, I think writing historical fiction makes that a lot easier because you have to, you have, what, 
mostly gets written is the conflict um, when it comes to history. You find out what has happened in time because people have uh, created conflict, they've negotiated conflict um, through conflict, and they've come out on the other side of it. And then the story, the history is written. So, um, so for me, that makes it a little bit easier. And certainly certain timeframes do have certain restrictions. Um, so when I wrote um, Feast of Sorrow, which is set in ancient Rome, um, I have the women, for example, um, had very specific restrictions that are very yeah. different than the restrictions on women in the Renaissance. Um, and um, then you also have the influence of the church in the Renaissance, which made a huge difference in my plot line for that book. Um, and so I have this cat is not. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you could hear him, but he was. Like, no, he's okay. Um, have you? So because you have all this external conflict kind of preset in these external worlds, do you then do you then have to go backwards to figure out what your character's internal conflict is, or does it can't? It does it sort of carry your characters through, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Crystal, I have to remember my character's wounds, my character's internal world, or is that, has not, that not been a problem for you? How have you negotiated that? Um, well, I do a lot of plotting ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So that makes it a lot easier because I can map out those characters wants and um, use history as the conflict to prevent those wants from occurring mm -hmm. um, or to shift what they want into something else. Um, so for me, that's, that, that just, that makes it a lot easier. Um, I, um, the book that I'm working on now is a contemporary urban fantasy, essentially, but with oh. ancient, ancient Greek gods in it. Um, and the book that I, that I currently have out on submission is a Gothic novel, which, um, is a retelling of Hades and Persephone. And both of those have some history in it, mm -hmm. but I'm doing a lot more where I can't rely on it in the same way. And I have to think about um, the, the realities of the world and how people are in the world and not, um, not what has already happened and how I can make that change my characters. Um, so I find that it's easier um, in historical fiction to build around it than it is to create it. Um, your world building is very different when you're when you're when you're working in a contemporary setting or a fantastical setting than when you are actually have a live setting. Yeah, I mean not yeah. a live setting, but a historical setting. Yeah. Um, so today's on today's topic, I, I introduced it as um, uh, intention and in scenes. And so again, what is the character's intention in that particular scene? And hopefully it's, it's connected in some part to their larger story goal, um, but often, but sometimes it might just be that they want an apple. I mean, sometimes a character might be having a smaller intention in that particular scene. Um, and then also conflict and negotiation. And so the idea of negotiation is, um, we're gonna have Sandra Schofield on and talking about her scene book later this week. And she talks about how some people are really uncomfortable with the word conflict um, to, because for them, it's, it's outright, it seems like a bunch of dudes battling it out with guns or swords or something. Um, and so she actually prefers the idea of negotiation. And so again, when two characters go into a scene with different intentions and they have to have, every character in that room has to have a different intention. If you have two characters that go into a room with the same intention and that inner um, desire doesn't bend it in some different way. Again, Gatsby wants Daisy, Daisy wants Gatsby. 
but um, they're, they're, um, what that actually means to them is different. Um, or what it, happens to them in that scene causes them to think differently. Yes, yes. So um, if, you, if your characters don't have indifferent intentions in the scene, then they probably don't have a role in that scene and you probably need to take them out of the scene or you need to work much harder on that particular character. Um, as the scene continues with those intentions, they should conflict or, and, and then they should bump up against each other in some way. And then the characters need to negotiate who's gonna win out. Is, is Fred gonna get the apple? Is Sally gonna get that? Whatever, whatever large or small thing. Um, and they have to negotiate that. And lots of times in our scenes, it's out, not outright conflict because you might have a family that loves each other, but they drive each other crazy. Um, and so they also are negotiating, um, I need this person in my life, um, or I, I care about this person, so I cannot fully create conflict in this moment. I really have to reach a moment of negotiation. So I think lots of times, depending on the types of books you're writing about, you're thinking about negotiation instead of conflict. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that also comes down to like the choices that your characters are given and um, and what they have to make or the choices that they they decide to to create for themselves in a scene. Um, sometimes it seems like the, the characters don't have an option in whatever is being negotiated, but it can be something as simple as I've the characters decided to change their attitude towards the scene or, or towards the conflict, or um, is going to just live with the conflict until there's another opportunity later, or, but they've negotiated that in their mind. They've just, they've made decisions and choices that allow them to move through this conflict in some way. Yes. Yes. Good. And so Anne in the chat says obstacles to intention cause conflict. Yes. And it's usually oftentimes, again, those obstacles, they can be other, other things, others, they can be situations, um, uh, uh, landscape time might actually be an obstacle, but oftentimes it's other people with their own intentions. And that's why you have to make sure that everyone has intention in the scene. Again, even if their intention is leave me alone, I want to take a nap. That is perfectly fine intention. And that intention could cause problems in particularly a small room and a large man is taking up the entire couch and no one and everyone else is exhausted and he's insisting on taking a nap. Um, and to think about also, so again, this internal and external world, um, your character has a goal or an intention in the scene and usually it's concrete or it should be concrete in some way because that's what makes them get off the couch or determined to stay on the couch. Um, but then we also talk about the pulse of the scene and the pulse is all of those deeper emotional yearnings, desires, um, the need for love, the need for integrity, the need to, to belong, the need for I don't, power even, the need for usually other things, the deeper emotional things that we can relate to on the page, no matter who they are actually um, in, in their physical selves. So always thinking about, again, that's, that's gonna be part of that internal world um, that also matches or mirrors that external world. Um, and then we also have a question in the chat in terms of historical fiction, and let's bend this also towards conflict, I think, Crystal, in your mind. So Mary's asking in historical fiction, how difficult is it to develop dialogue? And so how is that dialogue in many ways um, carrying out the character's intentions and or revealing that inner pulse or that inner, inner conflict, Crystal? 
Well, I mean, first you have the conflict of figuring out your person. Your the writer has the conflict of figuring out how to make sure the vernacular suits yeah. the suits the time frame and the book itself, um, but not being too foreign for um, a current a modern day reader. Um, but once you've gotten past that, um, I find dialogue for me is is much easier than um, than other parts of the story because. I'm having the characters actively um, ne negotiate um, what they're doing in the world. They are um, uh, they are conferring with each other. They're 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 sharing information. They're making decisions, um, and they and they show it through their dialogue. So for me, I find that it it actually is what um, can be one of the best movers of of. The, for me, the plot forward, um, because you're getting into what the characters are saying or doing. Um, my, I have first person in both my first two books um, and third person in my second book as well. And when you have first person, um, you also have the dialogue in their head. So that also makes a big difference because you can get to that, that character's inner conflict immediately through the dialogue that they're having with themselves. Um, so I find that that is a, is a key driver for me um, when it comes to moving the plot forward. Excellent. And, and this is a good, I'm really glad you asked this question, Mary, um, because um, a character's intentions, their, their concrete goal in the scene and that inner pulse or that brings out that kind of inner conflict in the scene is going to determine how they say what they say. And so we talk about on the nose dialogue. That's too on the nose. Uh, Crystal, have you dealt with, have you ever gotten that comment or have you ever dealt like, oh, this is too on the nose? Meaning that the character is being far, far too direct with what they want and stating it too directly and or stating sometimes the inner themes of the book too directly um, and or too articulately even because we sometimes get annoyed at characters that are too articulate. Have you dealt with that? I think I've been lucky that I haven't, um, or at least not the, to my face. Yeah. Um, but that's because probably what I'm trying to do is is mirror the way that we are within our own conversations with people. Mm -hmm. We're not very truthful with each other to the for the most part. We gloss over things. We soften um, our words to to. Um, to, to preserve somebody else's emotions. Um, or we could be a little bit more cruel than we intended. Um, we, but we don't often always state what we're really thinking when we're, when we're talking to other people. Sometimes we do, but in a lot of cases, there's so much nuance. Yeah. And that is, is just huge creative you know, fodder for an author. Um, and it also helps drive some of the, the conflict as well, especially if the reader sort of understands that maybe the person speaking isn't saying what they mean or, yes. um, it, or they're saying something else that's underlying it that other characters are understanding, um, but um, isn't directly said. So I find that that indirect meaning in dialogue can actually be more powerful than being really direct. Right, and I love that because it, it can also cause conflict. Um, and so think about that carefully, even if you determine a character's intention, they are not necessarily going to speak to, want to speak to, or be able to speak to that intention in the scene. And again, that is much more about understanding the character and what's pulling at the character internally as well. 
All right, everybody, I got to get you to your desk. It's day 30. Oh, my God. Um, so you're going to get amazing writing today because it's day 30. Um, tomorrow, we're going to continue seeing week talking about turning points and the most important moment with Henriette Lazaridis. Um, and she's also been um, in the chat sometimes speaking up, and she's a great teacher um, to work with. Crystal, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. You've been a super help. If you support what we're doing, please share, follow, and rate our 7 a.m. Novelist podcast. You can find it on Substack and other podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple, etc. It also has some funky music that I particularly like. Um, and you can find our full schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Thank you, everybody. Have a fantastic writing day. And thank you so much, Crystal. For a love in the sand Like a leaf inside the wind And you go where it tells you to go But you never wonder why There is nothing here at all